Random acts of kindness. Songs about loving God. Where have you placed yourself this morning? What building are you in? This church is going against anything and everything that the world's going to throw at us. The world says, don't pay for the person behind you. The world says, don't open the door for someone. Oftentimes, the world, we may hear this. We may hear, you don't have what it takes to be one of these followers of God. You, you've messed up too much. You've, you've hurt someone too badly. Someone has destroyed you, spiritually, emotionally, or physically, too bad to serve. This morning we're going to take a look at, um, do you have what it takes? What kind of people do, does God use? Very short, and an- the answer is yes. <laughs> what kind of people does God use? Yes. Some of you are awake. Some of you had coffee. That's good. If you have your worship hand out, yellow piece of paper out by the, on the door, or on the, on the door, around the door, on the table, they're handed out by the first impressions presentation team. Let me tell you something. I'm proud to go to a church where people care enough to stand. Now, outside today is lovely. But they're ready to stand outside when it's 105, like three weeks ago. And they're ready to walk you from your car when it's minus five in the winter. I'm not, I'm not going to be the bearer of bad news, but if you like the Farmer's Almanac, and I'm telling you right now, it's almost on the money. This winter is supposed to be worse than last year. All the persimmon seeds, and I know, and Matt just going by one of them old wives' tales and persimmon seeds. Well, it's spoons, all of them. That means lots of snow. Something I prayed for. I didn't. Okay, just chill. I love snow, but I didn't pray for it because I know some of you didn't. But if you have your, if your worship hand out, if you just flip it over to the open page. Just one page open right in the middle, right below the sermon notes. I want to go over something real fast. Right here, that is not a misprint. That is how we spell dunked. D-U-N-K apostrophe D. October 5th, three weeks. We're going to have a dunked party. If you are a follower of Christ and have never been baptized, we would like to dunk you. Why? Because the Bible says Jesus commands us to be baptized. Okay? We have a baptism right here. It's really cool. We have a, we have a video camera set up to where it, it, you, we can watch people be baptized on the screens. It's really, it's really awesome, really cool. And it's going to be a kickoff. Next week you'll see it in that, that Sunday. And the Sunday right before that is going to be a kickoff to a, a family series about families. We often talk about connection as being a family. Well, I'm going to go into that. I'm going to go into why connection is a family, why we do some of the things that we do. But that's a dunk party if you know someone who has never been baptized, if you yourself have never been baptized, you're a follower of Christ, you've never been baptized, listen, dunk party, October 5th, please, bring your family, it's going to be a blast, we're going to have a, some, some of you are like, oh wow, dunk party, Matt doesn't preach very long, well, okay, whatever, okay, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have, we have a baptism, we have some songs, have some worship, I'll give a short message, and then we're going to do what we all like to do, we're going to eat, we're going to eat, okay, we're going to eat some good food. I'm not telling you what it is. You have to come to find out. But I guarantee you it will be worth it. Okay? The dunk party's right there. If you open up all the way to the middle, church planning thoughts is the top 10 
planning thoughts starting this Saturday. As Connection moves forward in the future, we want to plant churches. Starting this Saturday and the third and fourth Saturdays from 8.30 to 11.30 a.m. here at church, I will be teaching church planning courses, classes. We're going to go through books. We're going to go through memory or memory verses, scripture. We're going to see why God calls us to plant church. Why Connection? Why is Connection going to plant churches? Why, why not something else? Why not something else? We're going to find out why. But the, the number eight thing, I've been going over a couple of these. The number eight one is this, the danger to church planning is that as individuals invest in a church, they tend to become protective, even skeptical of new ideas and methods that might threaten their perceived ideas and methods. Ooh, some of you may not have liked that. <laughs> We're not going to stay the same. We're going to keep moving, okay? The opportunities is there. Come Saturday morning. Find, give it two or three weeks. Find out if God wants you to be a part of that. It is very intentional. We are planning to train people, worship leaders, child care people, people that wash the windows, people that clean the toilets. You have to get the mindset of what missional is. We are going to teach you that. We are going to train you in that. And I get to learn along with you as well. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of it, but I get to learn more in depth about it. And I get to teach people. So come be a part of that. It starts at 8.30. We will start 8.30 sharp. Okay? Just, in a, just a couple announcements that I wanted to go over. I don't want to take a lot of time doing that. But if you would, wherever you are, just bow your head with me right now. God, thank you so much for today. God, your word says that in all things we should give thanks. So God, I thank you for this weather. I thank you for the ability to live this life. I thank you for the people that you've put in my life. I thank you for the opportunity to speak out of your word to this group of individuals this morning. God, may we see and understand what you're trying to get across to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. I've got a couple, I've got a couple little stories before we get, we get going, but if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. Go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Roman, Acts, Romans. If you get to Romans, go backwards. Okay? The fifth book in the New Testament, Acts, it talks about the first church. It's the, re, it's the, it's the, the written form of the, of the first church, but how about this? Do you, have, do you have what it takes? Okay. My grandfather, my dad's dad, his name was Gene. He lived in Fairfield, originally from a big metropolis known as Mill Shoals on the Skillet Fork. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. It's just nice. But I remember as a young boy, and my grandpa ran Lincoln Auto Parts in Fairfield for 44 years. Some of you may have been in Lincoln Auto Parts. But he's, he's gone to be with Jesus right now. He's gone. I'm going to see him again one day. But I remember as a young boy hearing these words from my grandpa. Many of you have said these exact words. They don't make these new cars like they used to. Well, they don't make this stuff like... It was plastic. I remember my grandpa would just go crazy. Oh, that's a nice truck. About 60% plastic, right? They don't make them like they used to. I said, how'd they used to make them? Steel. Okay. And he goes, they put a bigger engine in them so they go faster. Now they want to put a bigger engine and make them plastic. He goes, they don't make them like they used to. There was a play at church during Easter... 
and a young man was playing Jesus. And he was during, it was in the scene where he was going in, Jesus was going to go, going to pray, and he came back and he found the disciples asleep. And it was the second time that he found them asleep, and the young boy said this. His version of what Jesus said was this. Well, they sure don't make disciples like they used to. Is that a true statement? Do they make disciples? Does God, does God make disciples like he used to? I think absolutely, incredibly, my answer is yes. I think there are people sitting in here that have abilities and, and talents that they don't even know they have. What kind of people does God use? What kind of people does he want to use today? Man, talking about connection, he's wanting to use relevant people. We want to be relevant to a culture, to attract people. What kind of people did he use after Jesus had rose from the dead and returned to heaven? This is going to sound a little crazy, but God used people like me and you. And in your mind right now, you're going, you have no idea what I've done, Matt. God doesn't want to use me. I'm too damaged. I'm too hurt. I'm too broken. I'm too shattered. This morning, we're going to look at at the very first followers of Jesus. They were people that God used. Jesus had already gone back to heaven. And these are the guys that are involved in the first church. The first one ever. You ever think they had conversations? Well, how do we do this? I don't know. It's never been done before. <laughs> Oftentimes people want to say at Connection, well, you know, we're going we're we're to plant a church. Is there a book about it? Not the way we're going to do it. Well, then how can we get it right? We're going to do what they did. We're going to ask God. We're going to ask God. What kind of people does God use? Look at me with, uh, in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Peter and John, yay. I, I'm just going to stop here. I love these two guys. Because I'm a lot like Peter sometimes. Anybody else? You want to give your opinion rather quickly sometimes? No matter, no matter what it is? Remember, a couple weeks ago I said that Peter, uh, Peter needed to be involved with the... Uh, if he was part of a quiz bowl team, he would be the first person to jump in. Peter always opened his mouth, sometimes too quick. But Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in a 3 o'clock prayer service. Oh, look. They prayed at 3 o'clock. You know what they also did? They also prayed at sunset, and they also prayed at 9 a.m. Here's my point. Peter and John were followers of Christ. Peter and John walked with Jesus Christ. They knew him. And they understood the things that they watched Jesus do and how Jesus related to the Father in heaven. This is what they're wanting to do. So what do they do? When it was time to pray, everybody often went to the temple. This is they're going. Now, these disciples were busy. Do you have any idea how busy these disciples were? Well, they were unemployed. And, and they just went around and they, and they would, and would get money for preaching or money for doing revivals or doing this or doing that. Constantly. Constantly. We're going to read later in this scripture where they, they don't want to take breaks. When they're taken in front of the Sanhedrin, they said, we can't help telling about what we know. Everybody they saw. Everybody they saw, let me tell you how Jesus affected my life. Holy cow, to have individuals like that today. 
Now, these disciples were busy, yet watch this, three times a day. They took time to pray. Now, I'm not going to ask you to answer this out loud. How many times a day do you pray? Is it a part? If you have your worship hand out, there's places for you to fill in. God uses people that pray. Oh, Matt, that's one of the top five Sunday school answers of all time. You know, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, pray and bring your Bible. The top five Sunday school answers of all time to answer 90% of all Sunday school questions. Pray. God uses people that pray. As a matter of fact, if we took time to study and look at the emphasis that was put on prayer in the Bible, we would see that it is absolutely incredibly necessary for a follower. Incredibly important. It's vital. We all know who Billy Graham is. If you don't, all you got to do is Google and it will just explode. Billy Graham had the very awesome fortune. I've actually seen Billy Graham speak. He spoke at St. Louis at the Crusades. Many of you may, may have went. I saw him, Kirk Franklin, awesome. and Kurt Warner. That was a show. The very first thing. Well, I want to I show you what, what, it, what, what Billy Graham, his humbleness, a man that physically has presented the gospel to millions and has and had millions of people during his sermon accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. Let me tell you his humility. Billy Graham got on stage, and if you were at the one that I did that I was at, he said this. Billy Graham walked to the podium very slow. And we were actually sitting behind him. It was kind of cool. I watched him walk out, and he gets his he gets his notes. And he steps back from the podium, Billy Graham, and says, I am on the same platform as Kirk Franklin and Kurt Warner. And then he goes on to say, Kirk Franklin is using his ability in hip-hop music with Christian lyrics to reach a population that has not been touched. And he says, and this guy is a part of the greatest show on turf for the St. Louis Rams. And he's using that as an outlet to speak about God. I am so humbled to be on this stage. Billy Graham said this about prayer. Prayer is an attempt to experience fellowship with God. Fellowship with God is a vital, essential part of a growing believer's life. It has to happen. God uses people that pray. You know, you're sitting there. God has helped you out of that situation because you talk to him. Well, pray is, a, pray is a, an opportunity to have fellowship with God. That must be some kind of new concept, really. Because if you want to look at Genesis 1, God would come to the garden with, with Adam, and they would have fellowship, and they would talk. That's the same thing. God desires that from his people. Many of us, sadly, do not know the power of a relationship with God like that. A prayerless life will be a powerless life for God. A prayerless life will be a powerless life for God. The people that were used in the first church were praying people. You can read. They prayed often. These guys prayed three times a day. They gathered together. They just didn't have church on Sunday. If you read, they have jobs and every day. They said the, the church was added to them daily. There were more people coming because they got together and fellowshiped every day. 
The people God will use in our time are people of prayer. People who know God pray. Why? Because I want to know his opinion. Why do we want to know his opinion? Because we understand that ours doesn't work. And if you're there, okay, you'll get there. People that are thankful pray. He goes on in verse 2, it says this. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate. And the beautiful gate was the most popular entrance to the temple. So rightly named, it was extravagant. Peter and John were going to the temple. They went into the favorite gate. Now, in the Jewish custom, there would be people like this man placed by the gate, and if you walked into the temple and you gave a beggar some money, that was considered praiseworthy. That was considered honoring God. So this was not anything new to Peter and John seeing. So if you're the beggar, you're going to sit by the most popular gate to increase your chances of getting more money. He strategically placed himself here. This is not a, this is not a, a random. This is not a, this is not a random choice. He knows, he understands. He goes on and says, so he could beg from the people going to the temple. Number three, verse three. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Now, we all know these people. They stand on the side of the road, you know, homeless, need money, homeless, need money, homeless, need money. And I'm not here to judge their authenticity, if they need it or not. This guy, this guy was real. He couldn't walk. He's lame. So he sat there. Can you imagine? Take yourself out of your place right now. Put Put yourself in this guy's spot. You can't walk. You can't move. All you do is rely on people to bring you to a gate every day so you can sit and, and beg for money because you can't work. Man, what a great life. He relied on people. Peter and John were put in his path because they were going to pray. See how God uses people that pray? <laughs> put them right there beside him. In verse, in verse 2, he goes on. I'm sorry, verse 4. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Now, you're going to do that. If you're this guy, we're walking into the temple. Hey, look at us. You imagine he's, he's probably made enough eye contact where he, he can even tell by body language who's going to give him money and who's not going to give him money. And he's just sitting there like this. And Peter and John are over here, and they said, hey, look at us. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get to eat today. That's how serious this is. He doesn't make any money any other way. There's not social security. There's not that here. It's not there. In verse 5, the lame man looked at them eagerly. I wonder, when we see someone that can help us, do we look to them eagerly? Do we look to God eagerly? When we pray, do we seek him? Peter and John walked by a man and they saw a need. More than likely, if they go three times a day, more than likely, Peter and John have saw this man before. They've probably walked right by him before. Today was different. Today was different. 
Today, they had noticed it. The need had always been there. Watch this. The need had always been there, but now was the time for them to help. You know what I'm talking about. With your children, with your adult children, or if you have younger children, you know that there is a time to help them. You know that there is a need, and there's a time that you could just take them out of that, or there's a time to let them go through a little bit of struggle, and you know that there's a time to help. Not to enable them, but there's a time to help. My daughter Lydia, last night, we were eating at the table. And she sat in a chair that didn't have her booster seat in it. So she was up on her knees. And she was eating. And she got to get down to go wash her hands. She was done. She couldn't get down. Her little foot had wedged in between the back of the chair. And she couldn't move. And now you all are going to think that I'm cruel. But for about two or three seconds, I said, what would you do? She goes, I stuck. I said, why'd you do that? I put my foot, I put my foot through there. Watch. I let her see. I let her see. I let her learn. I said, Lydia. And I helped her. Don't do that again. Is she going to do it again? Yeah, probably. I can't say it's my wife's kid because she's not in here to protect herself. So I'll probably just claim that one. She's probably just my kid. She's going to do it again. But there was a time that she was struggling. Listen, she was like, hey, she wasn't in pain. She wasn't in pain. I'm not going to sit there with my kids in pain and not help them. Please hear me. She was stuck. Hey, hey, hey. You know, she was, come heal, come heal. She doesn't say her arthritis, come heal. And I walked over and I said, I said, babe, what'd you do? Well, I stuck my foot through there. I said, what are you going to do next time? Now, listen. I'm not going to stick my foot through there. How many times do we look to God and say, God, I really need you to hear me. And God, being the loving, listen, loving father says, there'll be a time, but I want you to learn something. I want you to learn something. I don't want you to do this again. I desire to have you follow me in a way that you don't understand right now. But watch this, God's timing. Speaking of that, my timing with Lydia, she didn't think was perfect. She wanted instant relief. Do we not? As adults, when we pray, do we not want instant gratification? Listen, we live in a world that I spoke about this a couple months ago. Some of you have YouTubed this and Googled this and you, and you found out it's true. We live in a world where you can have a drive through visitation for a funeral. Everything's instant. My computer hooked up to our wireless internet at home, I think, goes to sites if I think about it. It's that fast. I'm like, Google, boom, Google. Okay, okay. Drive through, and it's there. You can talk with someone completely around the world, and it is all, all about send, ding, there. It's there. You could post something on Facebook, and immediately millions of people We live in an instant society. My grandma did not like... Now watch, this is how the times have changed. My grandma came over to our house one time. She said, hey, what do you want? She was going to help me eat breakfast. She was going to fix breakfast for me. She goes, "Uh, hey, what do you want to eat? I love love, like cream of wheat and I love oatmeal. I said, hey, get some oatmeal. 
got some of that instant oatmeal. And she just stopped. Instant oatmeal. Not, not when I'm cooking your breakfast. See, it was from her time. She, she would go to quick oats, but she wouldn't go for instant. See, it's, we live in a, in a culture and in a society where this guy probably looked at them and goes, I need money and I need it right now. Now, to them, they were going to help him. He could just go, here, here you go. Watch, watch, watch. God's timing, he is never late. He is never early, though. Say, God, you're getting kind of late on this. Getting kind of late. God is always on time. I heard a story this week on a video about how God's timing is perfect. And this gentleman had a, had a job. And there was another job that he, that, he, that he wanted to get. And a long story short, this job says, hey, you have to stay here till March 31st. And his other job was supposed to start in the middle of March. And he said, oh, I'm in a predicament. And pretty soon, his other job came back to him and said, you're going to be done March 31st. And his new job called back and said, hey, would you mind if we bump it back a couple weeks? We're going to have you start on April 1st. See, God, God does things that we don't get. His timing is on the money. Lydia did not think that my timing was on the money. How many times have I talked to God and said, God, I don't think that you understand the timetable that I'm working on. Can you imagine? <laughs> you little... Now, I'm talking about how God talks to me, not you. You little moron. <laughs> I am the creator of this universe. Do you, not know, do you not think that I know the needs of my child? I created you. I can fix you. I know how I want to talk to you, and I know what I prepared and created you to do. Chill out. Oftentimes, I think, God, I don't get text messages, but sometimes it feels like God says, chill out. Trust me. Oceans. <laughs> Where my feet may fail. Man, God, I know, <laughs> uh, I'm supposed to take this step, but I don't know when I step, are you going to be there? Really? Really? We're like that, aren't we? I said, God, I just want to know now. I just want to know now. He goes on in verse 6, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Can you imagine this guy? Hey, dude, can I say, you don't what? What are you going to give me, gum? <laughs> He's, he says, this is what I need. Listen, listen, oftentimes with this guy, this is what I need, God. This is what I need. Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you. Please, connection here, this next line. If you have a Bible and you mark in it right here, but I'll give you what I have. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Now, these dudes were empowered. They healed this guy, but watch, watch, watch. I want to see more of this happen today, that middle line. But I'll give you what I have. But I'll give you what I have. Oftentimes, connect groups, adults, 
youth come over to our house. And if you know where I live, I live just south of Summersville School. And oftentimes when they come in, I say, hey, I say this. I do not live in a mansion. You'll, you'll hear these words. We do not live in a mansion. We live in our house. I have kids. They really live in the house. But you are welcome to anything that we have. I want you to sit here. Please sit here. If you don't, if you don't think I'm telling the truth, please ask some of the youth or the young adults that come, or the adults that come to our come to our group. I'll give you what I have. What would this work? What would your job look like if your boss came in and says, "Well, I can't give you a bigger raise, but I can make this happen. I can give you what I can. I can make a better working environment. I can put AC in there." Listen, if my boss came in and said they're going to put AC in my gym, wow, (laughs) that would be awesome. Consider yourself at home and your family when you come into our house. When people come into this house, they should see arms open wide, fist bumps out. Man, I, I shook hands with some guy today and it was like this. And he came up to me earlier, right, right, when he, right when he stepped out of his car, and he goes, now, I don't know what you did last week, but we'll try. And it was, I don't know, it was like a Sammy Sosa thing, throwing up with an explosion fit, I don't know. Why, why do that? Because when he walked up, he instantly knew, he knew, he knew, he knew, he knew, hey, I'm home. I'm hanging out with a buddy today. I'm hanging out with a sister or a brother today. I'm hanging out with a family that, that is not blood-related, but they are my family. Peter and John had put praying in their lifestyle, and it had led them past this man who was in need. If those guys don't pray, those guys don't get, to, they don't get put in this guy's path because they don't go to the temple. And he's in front of the beautiful gate at the temple. If you have your worship handout, please, second second blank to fill in. God uses people with perception. Perception. Peter says this, I'll give you what I have. Why? Why? Because he saw a need. Now listen, Peter saw more in this man because the way that I interpret the scripture, because this, he could give him money and he'd get by it today. They asked God to heal this man, and he could work for the rest of his life. He saw a need. He saw a need. Peter and John could not help everyone. They couldn't do it. You and I cannot help everyone. Sometimes you want to be somewhere, but you have other responsibilities. Sometimes it's a card in the mail. Sometimes all you can do is phone call. Sometimes you physically can't be there. Peter and John did not help every single hurting person that day. They didn't. How do we know that? Because there were probably way more than just him. This is a popular spot. These people come in three times a day. Nine, three, and sunset. I'm going to sit here all day. Some of these people are like, hey, just pick me up later and get all the money I can. Why? Because they couldn't do anything else. 
But when they saw the opportunity to help this one, they did. Some of us think for days before we can help somebody. Now, this is okay. If If we're thinking about, okay, God, I want to do this right. I'm waiting on your timing. Okay. Okay. Wait, it's okay. Some of us never help. See, to to help instantly, like this guy. To know that a neighbor needs their yard mowed because they had surgery on their back. Help instantly. Sometimes we just recluse back and we don't help, and that is never, ever okay. When people who are thankful to God perceive a need, they say this, and I have heard this from people in this church. Matt, I may not be able to do this. I may not be able to do this. But watch, watch. I'll give you what I have. Well, I may not be the the best singer in my opinion. Give me what you have. I may not be the best at window washing. We'll teach you. Give me what you have. I may not be the best at vacuuming the carpet or cleaning the bathroom. It's okay. Give me what you have. Why? Because it's not for me. We're going to find God. We want our family to come into a clean house. You like coming into a clean house, right? On those Sundays, especially when you didn't have to do it. And that's nice. Some of you are thinking, how can we get first impressions to come over? I know. We must understand that helping is not just a financial matter. It is not about always doing this. Here. It's not about this. Sometimes it is. We bless people at Thanksgiving and Easter when we give hams and turkeys away. Sometimes it's financial. Holy cow. You've seen the price of meat. My dad was a meat cutter for 35 years. I walked into Kroger and about had a stroke when I saw the price of ribeyes. $12.88. Woo! <laughs> Not at our house. <laughs> Will you say, if it involves your time, talent, or treasure, would you say that I'll give what I have? Time, talent, or treasure, will you give it? Others are going to hold back. In their reasoning, they may not have time. They may not give time. They may not give their talent. They may not give their treasure. But I'm not asking them. I'm asking you. Jonathan Edwards a gigantic, huge theologian in the middle, in the 1700s, before the age of 19, 19, think about how, what, what thought process you were doing at 19. Think about this. Before the age of 19, he had written 70 resolutions. Resolutions of things that he knew were factual. He's 19. Listen to this. Among them are these two resolved, this right here, that every man should live to the glory of God. Jonathan Edwards realized that God created us and he had a plan for us. 1700s. 19. The second one. Resolved. The first one is this, that every man should live to the glory of God. Resolved, listen to this, that whether others do this or not, I will. 
At 19, he understood he was created to give. At 19. In the Bible, we can see that people that pray are used by God. People that have perception are used by God. And he also uses people with this. Next thing on your worship handout. Persistence. Persistence. We had a contest in college for the baseball players. We got a brand new pitching machine. Some of you know where this is going. We wanted to see how fast the pitching machine would go. The answer to that is on a radar gun, it would, it would throw a 104 mile an hour fastball. If you do the math, it's like .53 seconds from home plate to, from pitcher's mound to home plate at 104. I'm just going to tell you this. It's not a whole lot about in seeing the ball necessarily. It's hearing the hiss and swinging at the hiss. It's fast. 104. Now, we would get in. <laughs> this is dumb. With only helmets on. Like if the plate was over here, I was getting in like this. I was kind of like, this is, I mean, they'd let one go. I was like, pow, oh, this is not going to be good. But we were stubborn. Some probably wouldn't call it persistent. We were stubborn. I'm going to hit this. After a couple times, you're like, when he gets the ball and get ready to put it in, you just start swinging. <laughs> it's going to be there. And persistence paid off. We got to hit it. For Peter and John, their persistence was different because opposition to Jesus was coming up. They didn't like Jesus. They didn't like the fact that this man was healed at the gate, at the temple. They didn't like that many people were becoming followers of Christ. They were losing control. What's it like in your life when you lose control? Do you flip out? Because they were. They're, flip, they're losing it. At this point in time, there were 5,000 followers of Christ. Everywhere. 5,000. Peter and John were arrested. They were asked to come before the Jewish authorities. They were in trouble. They were in trouble. You're not doing what we ask you to do. For sake of time, don't turn there, but in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, just put it on the screen. It says this, So they called the apostles in. This is the Jewish people. So they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. The only way that you get reprimanded, listen, they said again. That means they had done it before. They can't quit. They wouldn't stop. Verse 19 says this, but Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Can you fathom what these guys got to see in Jesus' life? Oh, sure, we have four accounts of what Jesus did in his life, but I'm telling you, even those four Gospels probably don't contain everything that Jesus did. What they got to see, the relationships and people they saw healed, in verse 21, the council then threatened them further. 
But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. Why? Because there's 5,000 of them. For everyone was praising God. It was a mob for Jesus. They wouldn't stop talking about it. I wonder, do you have people in your life, when you come in contact with them, they're like, oh great, he or she's going to talk about what Jesus is doing in their life again. This is these, this, this is these people. These are them. Quit. Quit. And with Lydia, if she puts her foot back in that, in that slot, I'll say quit. I've told you this again. How many of us give up? We give up because opposition comes against us. We think, we think that we understand opposition. I'm telling you, there are places in this world right now where it, we don't hold a candle to anything that they're going through. They're denoun- they have to denounce, say that they're against God or they die. And we have trouble paying for somebody's meal. We have trouble reaching out to somebody in need. Remember the words of Peter and John. They said this, we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. This is what you see from people that understand prayer and persistence and perception. People that are more mature in their faith, people that are closer to God, this is what you hear. We cannot stop telling about what God has done. My grandfather, close to his death, would not quit talking about what God had done in his life. Every time I was around him, he would talk about the Great Depression. And he and my great-grandmother had no money to give to the church. He goes, we didn't have money. Nobody had money. He said, I cleaned out outhouses for a quarter a day. And he said, so when we went to church, our job was, watch this, we cleaned it. And he would tell me about what God had done in those people's lives. He said, he said we'd have a revival meeting because, he goes, all we had was God. That's all we had. And he said, when we saw people encounter God like that, he said, we'd find chewing tobacco on the floor that somebody had just quit. We'd find bottles of booze on the floor. They'd just leave it. God had, God had it just worked in their life. But when you get close to God, you can't quit talking about it. You can't quit. People ask, people ask me, now you, you really go to CR? Don't ask me that question if you don't want me to answer. Yes, I go to CR because it's helped me. And you don't have time this morning to hear. It is an incredible thing. I can't stop telling people about it. How many people give up because they've experienced something they do not understand? Maybe failure, maybe sin, a sickness. They just give up. We need to get up and talk to God, not give up. Don't give up. Get up and talk to God. Hey, sometimes I felt flat on my face too. Then just turn your head up. He can hear you. Promise. Remember these words. We cannot stop telling about everything that we've seen and heard. I grew up listening to a man on the radio, as many of you did. Some of you listened to him a lot longer than me. A guy named Paul Harvey. And he said this. 
Paul Harvey was asked if there was any secret to his success. He said this, When I fell, I got back up again. Seems like a simple explanation, doesn't it? When I fell, I got back up again. The success of God's word does not come through ability or charisma, but through persistence. Keep on keeping on. Keep going. Keep serving. Keep. Man, we sang the song Go, the very first song. If you get anything out of listen to those words. We're giving it all away, away. If you are, you understand what I'm saying. And if you're not, you're tuning me out. You don't know what it's like to give everything that you have. Give it all away. I met with a man yesterday. I got to talk to Mike for about three minutes. In those three minutes, you know what he did? He encouraged me. He's giving it all away. He gets it. That's what we're to do. I heard it, I heard it said, and this, this sermon is not about Mike. It's about what God has done. I heard it said, Mike, for the last seven years, you taught us how to live, and now you're showing us how to die. That's exactly right. We should be giving it all away. Why? Because we should be like Peter and John who said this. I cannot quit telling anybody and everybody that will listen what God has done in my life. I can't quit. I can't quit. It's too big. The last, mess, last thing in your worship handout is this. We must be willing to give what it takes. It won't be convenient. It won't be convenient all the time. It's not good. It doesn't work that way. Go back to convenience. You think it was convenient for Peter and John to go to the temple three times a day to pray? You think it was convenient? I mean, they'd be right in the middle of a mentor meeting. <laughs> oh, hang on. I got to go to the temple and pray. We have to be willing to give what it takes. And for some of us, we don't like that. It's not convenient. It's not instant. It's not instant. Mm-mm, don't want it. If I have to be persistent, if I have to pray... No way. A man from North Carolina said this. A big shot is a little shot who kept on shooting. A big shot is a little shot who kept on shooting. Peter and John were little shots who kept on shooting because they said this. We cannot stop telling about what Jesus has done in our life. We cannot quit. We can't quit. God wants to use people today, people like you and people like me. People that pray. People that have the perception to see a need and to say, I'll give what I have. And people that have persistence to keep on even though opposition comes up. We must be willing to give what we have and to do what it takes. Will you be one of those people that later on in your life you'll have grandkids much like my grandpa had me and my sister and my cousin. And even though sometimes we we just kind of wanted to tune him out, he would not quit telling us about what God had done in his life. 
Because Matthew and Jennifer and Lucas, I can tell you why serving God works. And he would give that to us. He would tell that to us. He could not quit. We must be willing to give what it takes. Will you be one of those people? Let's pray. God, we love you. Like Peter and John, God, we, we ask, we want to be people like that. We want to be a church like that. We want to be a different group of people. We want to be different. We want to be relevant in a culture called Mount Vernon. God, help us pray. Help us be persistent. Help help us, God, to be able to give what it takes. As we leave here today, God, help us open our eyes to see ways that we can help, ways that we can serve those people around us. Open a door for somebody at a restaurant. Show your love. And God, help us to where we cannot quit telling about what you've done in our life. In your name we pray. Amen.